Set a spark to your integrated business and marketing strategies with America's top entrepreneurs and business leaders here at Integrate and Ignite with your host, Lori Jones. Welcome to the Integrate and Ignite podcast. Kristen Miller has over 15 years of public relations experience with a passion for technology PR. She is currently Corporate Communications Director at Ping Identity, a company that helps prevent security breaches, increases employee and partner productivity, and provides personalized customer experience for some of the world's largest organizations. Before joining the Ping team, Kristen was head of WebRoot's global PR team, where she focused on cybersecurity across the U.S., EMEA, Australia, and Japan. An unprecedented fan of the Oxford comma, She can be found chasing her six-year-old daughter through playgrounds, cheering for her alma mater, Purdue University, and taking BuzzFeed quizzes. Follow her on Twitter at Kristen Miller. Welcome to Integrate and Ignite. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to be here today and talk about everyone's favorite subject, crisis PR. I know. (laughs) I tell you, um, we're going to really roll up our sleeves and get into that one. It is not an easy thing. And you know what? If you take a look at, at the news today, it is constant. There is always a business brand, a consumer brand. Heck, Chipotle was just mentioned this year, mm-hmm. you know, or this week rather, on, on something that, quite frankly, I thought was a little bit unfair with, with the packaging uh, issue. <laughs> but nonetheless, there's always something that we as marketers need to be either inhibiting from happening or responding to. Mm-hmm. And I always say that crisis communications is a muscle. You really have to practice it and have to use it in order for it to grow. Yeah, it's so true. And a lot of role playing that we're going to get into here in just a second regarding that as <laughs> Wait, well. Wait, role playing? You didn't say role playing. Uh-huh. No, I think you know, I could probably do that really well. I'll ask the questions. No. <laughs> oh, um, you have had an incredible journey. I've actually known of you for many, many years, um, and which is why one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show. I, you just are really in the Denver and and regional market here, a real powerhouse when it comes to PR. So congratulations. That's so kind of you. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. Congratulations on that success. And, and you've really pivoted over the last many years into this high tech space. What was it that really drew you to ultimately um, landing where you have today? You know, at the heart, I'm a technology geek. I'll be honest. I love figuring out how things work. I love explaining really technical terms and easy to understand ways. And I felt really at home in the cybersecurity space. And I'm really lucky to have both the PR and cybersecurity backgrounds, which is a really nice intersection when it comes to cyber incidents and things that are affecting all sorts of companies. And really, when I say a cyber incident, it could be a credit card leak, it could be a data leak, it could be a DDoS attack on your website. And unfortunately for companies, it's not a matter of if, but when that's going to happen. It's very, very true. And I think um, that reactive prowess that people uh, implement once they feel that something had or once something has happened typically it is not right. And, and they go, you know, balls a blazing <laughs> right. and, and really feel that, you know, force is, is how it needs to be, to be managed. And that is not always the case. And right. we are going to talk about really some best case scenarios to find why ultimately 
every brand in the marketplace needs to have a crisis management plan <laughs> in place and then how to develop that crisis management plan and then how to respond um, in some of the, the difficult situations that we come into. Now, human instinct is ultimately in, in place there to respond and tell your side of the story. And, and most people do that in a very, you can tell the brands out there that have a PR team in place and those that don't. Let, mm-hmm. let me put it that very way. Clearly. Yeah, you, yes. you really can. Why is it essential that people resist that urge out of the chute? Actually, I think that reassuring and telling your side of the story is the entire point of crisis communication. So, you know, to me, a crisis communication that doesn't reassure or tell your side of the story is actually a failure. So I found that the best and most overlooked ways to tell your side of the story is that initial holding statement. So taking a step back, in any crisis, things move fast, and facts are really hard to come by, especially in a cyber crisis. You really know that something has happened. You probably don't know what, but something is going on. And it it can be really assuring to put out that initial holding statement, something just as simple as, yes, we're aware of an incident, we're looking into it, and we'll get back to you something that's very transparent and letting people know that you're on top of it versus waiting until you know every single fact to craft something a little bit more polished. That's right. And and that I think is very important with a lot of our B2B audiences. Um, And just to to put this on the table, typically from a consumer standpoint, or, you know, it could be retail, all too often the brands that we work with on that side of the house, there's typically a police incident. And so that holding statement is, yeah, this is an active investigation. Um, mm-hmm. We wish, you know, whoever well, and we cannot comment at this time because it's, you know, a, a police investigation. Absolutely. So that is the flip side of that, which typically does not happen with the cybersecurity right. or B2B side. Absolutely. And it's incredibly scary because cyber criminals don't discriminate. They're they going to go after you if you're a big company, if you're a small company, if you're an individual. They really don't care, which really makes everyone a target. Well, and, and this is a very minute point to follow up on that, but take a look at the number of emails that we get today that are under the name of someone who we've got in our database and they're asking us to, to get you know $200 in gift cards. Mm-hmm. Or they, I mean, that is a piece of this. Um, and all too often people respond and ultimately they go out and buy the $200 gift cards. And, oh, absolutely. And, and yeah. the gift cards are the best case scenario, yeah. if it comes down to ransomware and, you know, holding your files, encrypted files for ransom, that gets really scary really yeah. quickly. Why backups are important, right? Very <laughs> much so. Now, we're going to talk a little bit more about ultimately how to develop that crisis plan and how to communicate it correctly, um, which is key. And Kristen has this incredible playbook um, by the way, how many times have you had to implement this? I'm not at liberty to say. <laughs> I do have a sign in my office saying it's been X days since the last crisis. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Okay. Touche. <laughs> uh, and, and very fair there. Um, so one of how we always start out with a, a crisis communications plan is ultimately developing potential crisis scenarios. Oh, right. And when it comes to this playbook, there's really no sense in boiling the ocean. There's not time to prepare for every single scenario that exists. So you really need to focus your energy on the most likely scenarios, or at least the scenarios with the worst possible impact. And one of the best ways I found to do this comes from my amazing colleague, Ashley Stewart. She always says to sit down with your leadership team and ask your CEO what's keeping them up at night. Um, And honestly, sometimes um, that might surprise you. The answers could not be in line with what you might think. 
But start there and build a plan around that. And I know building a plan can be overwhelming. Uh, There's lots of templates online, lots of examples that can kind of get you going in the right track on something that will work well for your business. But keep in mind that a crisis PR plan does not have to be perfect, but you do have to perfect it over time. Right. And it needs to be available to to people as well. Now, let's stay on um, developing uh, these potential scenarios because really getting into the mindset of the CEO is critical Mm -hmm. if you've got people in the field and something happens Mm -hmm. to an individual in the field, how are you going to handle that? I mean, one of the very difficult pieces of developing this plan is coming up with very horrific, horrible things that could potentially happen and ultimately defining how you would and how you need to respond to those. Absolutely. And there's two kind of scenarios with that. Number one, it's overwhelming. If you're Mm -hmm. thinking of the most horrible thing that can happen, what do you say? And the best piece of advice on that is to start something and start now because something is better than nothing. And it's really the part in your brain where you're sitting there looking at a blank screen, wondering what to write and how to approach something, which can be really overwhelming. But think about it, looking at that communication, that message now when it's not happening versus when it is happening and you have reporters emailing you asking for a statement, when you have your CEO over your shoulder asking when, what's going on, when, you have, when you're getting pinged on social media wondering what the statement is, that makes that exponentially harder. It does, and, and having that information at, at, in the right place at the right mm-hmm. time uh, really helps you clear your thoughts and basically open up the playbook and, and start executing it, yep. which brings us to our next point. I mean, having the right people in the right seats here oh, to gosh. execute that plan is critical. And as difficult as it is to get the plan executed, it's, uh, it is imperative that people outside of the people involved in that plan don't talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's two different philosophies on building a crisis team. So first is by function and second by temperament. So function, you're going to need people on your team depending on what the crisis is. People that have a specific skill set or knowledge base, uh, specific knowledge in a particular subject. So it could be marketing, product, legal, information technology, HR, just a variety of facilities uh, could be you know, all involved depending on what the crisis is. Now, these people who are the experts in their particular subjects are going to add some legitimacy, are going to make sure that you understand the broader picture and how it affects all of the different moving parts. And the second function really is temperament. And to be honest, in my opinion, temperament is much more important than function. You're going to need people who in the room who are calm under pressure, who are detail oriented, who are true leaders. And I don't mean by title. I mean, people who can speak truth to power. You need someone who's approachable, respected, and confident. And if you have someone with the wrong personality in the room, your crisis will be a stress-filled disaster. It will. And and the the media will just eat them up. And customers, I mean, the whole nine yards. Absolutely. And it doesn't even matter if you are part of the crisis team who who is externally speaking, but also just in the room helping to come up with the content. You have to have that balance of both functionality as well as temperament. You know, we, um, it's always, uh, I mean, the best crisis has happened at five o'clock on a Friday, right? Absolutely. Um, It it really is the case. And even if you have a dedicated crisis PR team or person, 
that person's not going to work 24 hours a day and be available 24 hours a day. At least they shouldn't be. And I've been involved with several crises that were around the clock global crises and not one person can handle that. So you need to make sure that you're working in shifts, making sure that everyone on your team understands how to run a crisis Mm -hmm. because one person can't do it all. And that consistency is key. Mm -hmm. So we're going to get into talk tracks here in just a second, but I've got to share a personal story that I I just remembered as we're sitting here talking very quickly. And, and it's, it's a very serious situation, uh, but it's got a little bit of humor to it as well outside of the cybersecurity side of things. um, So our listeners know my husband was the police chief in Aurora and I, we were on vacation in California and he received a phone call from the PD. And right as he's answering his phone, I'm receiving a phone call from a client. Oh no. And yeah, we're both on the phone, Sacramento, California, and he's getting the rundown of a gang shooting um, that has happened in the middle of traffic on a very, very heavy street um, at a red light. And you know, someone unfortunately uh, was murdered or uh, right oh in the gang shooting right in the middle of the oh street. And then I'm receiving a phone call from a client who says, so we don't know exactly what's happening, but we have a car. We're stuck at a step, a red light, or one of our delivery vehicles is. Stopped at a red light. Um, this car just smashed into the back of us. And um, there's all sorts of police activity. You know, what should we do? And you know, we go into crisis management communication and, you know, try to you know, get out of the, the sight of the cameras that have already, you know, landed mm-hmm. on scene. Um, you know, he, we don't want him commenting, mm-hmm. you know, is, you know, try to, you know, if you can move the vehicle, that'd be great. Cause we don't want the logo, you know, in the footage. I mean, just all this stuff starts happening. So Terry and I are looking at each other and, and I said, is, is, are you, do you, do you have an ILIF, you know, roadway, you know, gang or accident, you know, that you're talking to. And he said, yeah. And I said, well, I, I think they just hit, you know, our client in the back. So the same crisis management situation happening at the same time with both my husband and I, what are the odds? That's incredible. And let me guess, did you have the scenario of a gang shooting traffic accident no. in a crisis in a car? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's always the yeah, weirdest things is. that happen. But is that scenario now in the book with several <laughs> different flavors of how it could be? Absolutely. My colleague Ashley and I actually had a crisis hit not too long ago where we were getting ready to take the stage to talk at a crisis PR conference (laughs) about a crisis, which I feel is just cruel. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. I tell you though, the energy that you, you build in those moments, um, it's great team. It it really is. I I do love it. It's great and terrible team building at the same time. (laughs) You learn the best and worst of all people in these situations. Okay. Let's talk, uh, talk track that, that those key, Uh, points that must be conveyed in a situation. So I talked about the importance of getting your message points now, at least a draft and getting them approved, going through the client or going through legal process, going through all of the different people that have to touch it. Now that doesn't mean that what has been approved now in your crisis communication playbook will still be applicable or won't need to be tweaked six months from now, a year from now, or when you don't have to use it at all. So it's a living and breathing organism. (laughs) Absolutely. And you know, one of my favorite activities are creating crisis messaging that you put in a drawer and don't have to use. That's the best case scenario. 
Um, but make sure that, again, you're going back to those two to three top scenarios that may or may not include car accident <laughs> and come up with those key speaking points, key talking points, get them approved. And that will significantly cut down on your time when it comes to an actual crisis. Yeah, it really will. And, and I would imagine um, that along with the talk track, there are other things that we're always looking at. For instance, you know, who are, you know, who's the current um, you know, what does the current Rolodex look like? Oh my gosh. You know, yes. that, um, because it's changing so much from a PR standpoint. Oh my gosh. And I was in the middle of an issue where I needed to call a colleague in Japan and I always know, have everyone's cell phones. And I did, but it was around three in the morning. And I realized that even though I have an international plan and I can receive calls from Japan, I couldn't make a call oh, to Japan. No. So just rendered me completely useless to call someone in Tokyo. So it's not just about having those numbers, but making sure that you can access them from wherever you're yeah, at. That is such great insight. And one of those things that, you know, I'm certain has happened to a lot of other people as well. Yeah. And no one wants to call T-Mobile at three in the yeah. morning. Yeah. You know, you mentioned earlier, uh, you know, that crisis management plan that stays in the, in, in the drawer and you just mm -hmm. don't have to get it out. I think one yeah. of the goals in all of these scenarios is, trying to mitigate all publicity mm -hmm. and keeping our clients out of a PR story. Absolutely. And it can be hard sometimes. I've had clients in the past where, where a piece of negative breaking news will happen. They want to get out there. They want to comment. They want to dig into it. And that isn't always the best strategy. So as PR professionals, we always have to say, hey, when's the right time to be aggressive and when's the right time to pull back and what's that balance? So how do you talk them down? Well, it depends. Um, sometimes um, when I was at the agency side, people just wanted to listen, making sure that you're on it and making an informed decision. And, you know, sometimes people didn't really understand that the best possible response is a non-response. And yeah. it, it really flexes on the situation. And trusting your gut in a crisis is really critical. Yeah, that, it really is. Yeah, that, you know, you're the trusted expert. You've been there before. What would you do? And unfortunately, the more crises that we worked through the better gut reaction we do have. It's true. Yeah. Like, like I said, it's a muscle and you have to use it in order for it to get bigger. I love it. Now we've all made mistakes yes. and they, <laughs> no matter what they're going to happen. I mean, if it's just even the tweaking of a word mm -hmm. or as we just talked about going out too soon or going out at all, yeah. or, um, you know, there are a lot of other misgivings there as well. Mm -hmm. um, share some of those with us. Absolutely. So the CEO of the PR agency I used to work for had a sign hanging in her office saying, let's make better mistakes tomorrow. And I've really adopted that as my personal motto. To be honest, if you're not making mistakes at work, you're probably not pushing yourself hard enough. But it's really about learning from those mistakes to make better ones next time. And I take this very seriously. So I'm going to make mistakes today and Trust me, the mistakes I make tomorrow are going to be much better ones. <laughs> and the same thing applies to crisis communication. So after every incident or crisis, have a Monday morning quarterback session. So what did we do well? What didn't go so hot? What can we do better for next time? And if you're not learning from those mistakes, you're doomed to repeat them. You know, I think this, this is so true, right? But I think having the right client or the right CEO on yes. board to, you know, and, and instilling that mindset up front when you're going through the scenario uh, uh, process and, mm -hmm. and, and really building the talk track. Yeah. Uh, they've got to understand that this is reality. Hopefully it doesn't cost an organization a lot of money, but this is reality. 
Absolutely. And it's going to happen to everyone. So I was looking at some stats from Jamalto and last year there were 945 companies that experienced a data breach, which doesn't seem that high, but that's three companies per day. Wow. And when I think about that, just from the cybersecurity perspective, I think, wow, that is horrible. But when I think about that from the PR perspective, that's 945 PR teams that probably woke up on a random Tuesday to a terrible <laughs> crisis. And that really can be amplified if you're not ready for it or not cyber literate. You know, and the cost involved in, in that is oh, astronomical. Yeah. Um, I've actually got some um, stats in, in front of me, so I appreciate you bringing that point up. Only 54% of brands have a crisis management plan in place, 54. Think about that 46% who don't have the crisis management plan in place. These stats are those that are organized. If you are not organized and you've got to create all this on the fly, what is going to happen? Well, think about how busy we are as PR professionals on an everyday basis. It always gets put to the bottom burner because there's always something else that takes precedent. There's always something else that demands attention. And it's just not something that is normally top of mind. But again, it needs to you need to think about it. Yeah. It needs to happen. And, well, and, with, and I think this is where the rubber meets the road, right? A minor event is going to cost about a million dollars. A moderate event, 4.3. These are averages. And a substantial event could cost a brand $14.3 million. It's crazy. Yeah. There was an article in the New York Times today on ransomware attacks testing resolve of cities across America. It's really becoming an epidemic when Ransomware lands on city municipalities and their systems. The problem is that people rely on those city services. It's in some cases, it's a life or death situation if they don't get that data back. Right. And if you're a city IT administrator, it can come down to paying the ransom or not, or do you have a backup? And has that backup been tested? Right. So you've been backing up to the so-and-so location, but do you really trust that that's accurate? And how sometimes in, in a lot of cases, I mean, the advice is to never negotiate with terrorists. Mm -hmm. But the bottom line, if it's your data, if, you're, if it's your small business, and that's the only place that it, that it exists, it might not be such a bad idea to pay the ransom. Well, pay the ransom or make sure that you've got the IT structure in place, period, no matter right. what, with backup. Right. Having a backup is one thing, but testing it, make yeah. sure that it works. Exactly. The cloud is good, but... <laughs> yeah, the cloud is great, absolutely. Um, the, it's all about making sure that whatever system that you choose works for you and that you've tested it. Yeah. Now, I uh, was able to share one of my uh, wonderful stories up front um, about how we ultimately... Um, serendipitously, uh, serendipitously, my husband and I were working the same crisis at the same time, <laughs> and we did not know it. And again, we've had many laughs about that since that time. <laughs> there was an, actually another story I won't share. I'll share it offline with you. That was very funny as well. <laughs> I um, look forward to it. Yeah. But talk to us about where your playbook really proved essential mm. uh, in, in managing a crisis. So our, that's a really good question. Our playbook is rather lengthy in details and detailed. And for an outsider, it can be rather daunting. So to simplify it, we actually made a a crisis quick start guide, which is basically a list of five to 10 questions that you should ask during that initial meeting. So it really has helped that initial email when it comes out, hey, something's happened, where 
It used to be filled with, oh, dread, oh my gosh, what should we do to, all right, let's get the first 10 questions that can help gather information and go from there. So like you mentioned, crises always happen at 5 p.m. on a Friday, on a holiday weekend, when someone's on a plane. And if even if you're if you are your team's crisis expert, no one's available 24-7. So right. it, it really takes the expertise out of starting a crisis and managing a crisis available to everyone to, hey, get these list of 10 questions. And it's almost like a flow chart. If this, then this. Mm-hmm. So it's a really good idea to say, hey, 10 questions. Here's what you need to know. You know, and, and this goes against the grain of uh, most marketers and, and uh, PR professionals. Mm-hmm. Um, level of comfort and not as having legal in the room because we're far too creative most of the time to really want legal in the room. But I tell you, we won't push out a statement without legal approval. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that there's tension sometimes between PR teams and legal and Hey, we want to say this, they're taking all the fun out of this. And I incredible, I have an incredible amount of respect for my colleagues over in legal. Uh, I always know that anything that we're sending out has been checked and is good and isn't going to make the crisis worse. Yeah, I, and, and that is uh, the safety zone that the decision makers, the CEOs want us all living in as well. Absolutely. You know, yeah. we're, we all have the same goals in mind. So make sure that, you know, you stay in your lane, but you keep other people informed on that. Kristen Miller. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I have so enjoyed this discussion today. I um, The insight is phenomenal. I'm so oh, glad we're actually a, across from one another. We're not having to utilize <laughs> different offices. So this has uh, made it even that much more Oh, thank fun. you so much for having me. Oh, this I has been you. great. It's been great. Let's remember, let's make better mistakes tomorrow. Absolutely. Kristen Miller, thank you so much. Thank you. For your appearance on the Integrate and Ignite podcast. My pleasure. Thank you. This episode is complete. But the inspiration has just begun. Head over to avocetcommunications.com for show notes and more aha moments. Tune in regularly to ignite your integrated business and marketing strategies with Lori Jones and the Integrate and Ignite podcast.